0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: It's Sam from Midland, Texas, and I was calling y'all because I'm kind of new to opening up a Roth IRA, but so I didn't know who to open it with. I'm looking forward to y'all's
0: answer on the podcast. And provides unbiased answers. Well,
2: I would go with something like Fidelity or Schwab or TD Ameritrade or E-Trade. I can't tell you which one is going to be the best for you because they're all going to be different
0: in their pros and their cons. Investar. Over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART
1: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in, and I'm going to do my very best to make this an informative show, an educational show, and help you take that next step in your path towards your own version of financial freedom. And we are solidly here into the fall. And rain or shine, day or night, we are here to to help you. Um, And you have to be thinking about making good investment decisions, good money decisions, each and every day. And that's what we are here to help you do. So our mission statement is always independent thinking and shared success. Here to give you a perspective based on the facts, not just the narrative, uh, but the the facts and the experience of over 20 plus years of investment experience that I have. Uh, I'm going to give you the facts as I see them and my opinion without bias, whether I'm talking about a stock, a sector, strategy, whatever it is, I'm here to help. So I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions, and you can interact with me right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a message on our anytime voice bank. Same number is eight 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 ninety nine chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now.
1: Hey, Steve, please. We are Justin Klein. It's Sam from Midland, Texas, and I was calling y'all because. I'm kind of new to opening up a Roth IRA or I'm going to open one, but I didn't know who to open it with. I'm either thinking Vanguard or Fidelity
2: or Charles Schwab. But I really don't know who to go with. So I'm going to start maxing it out
1: every year. If you guys could just point me in the right direction. That'd be great. I'm looking forward to y'all's answer on the podcast. Thanks. Bye.
2: Well, I would go with something like Fidelity or Schwab or TD Ameritrade or E-Trade. Uh, and, uh, one, probably one of those four. Now, I can't tell you which one is going to be the best for you because they're all going to be different in their pros and their cons. Um, they're all going to be free commissions for uh, equity trading, uh, but if you're going to buy options, uh, you're going to buy mutual funds, you're going to buy uh, bonds, which you know you're, you're just starting out, so you're probably not doing bonds. But there are other factors to consider than just the equity, uh, the equity. Uh, cost of trading. Uh, So there's other things like fees to move money, um, and then research and data that you can get. I know TD Ameritrade has a great uh, platform called Thinkorswim that is really good for charting and uh, doing research and and all that. Uh, And maybe you want to go that route because that's what you want to get access to. Um, So you really just need to do your research and find out what you want your broker to have um, the strengths in, whether that's customer service, whether that's ease of use, maybe they have a link to your bank, things like that. But just stick with one of those four that I mentioned, uh, and I think you'll do all right either way. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Small caps kick off November ra- November with a rally. And the small cap focused Russell two thousand rose nearly three percent on Monday. Paused yesterday, and then had another strong day today. And it's starting to catch up to the uh, to the S and P uh, for the year. And we're going to dig into what that could mean for equities going into the final month and a half or so of the year. So that's what's on my mind. Also, I want to touch on uh, OPEC and how they could change the the market, but. Uh, the big story, which I really, really want to get into, is this new system of a carbon tax. And this is going to change uh, some, some major commodity markets, I think, in uh, such as steel, aluminum, cement, fertilizer. And these are areas that the U.S. and the EU are targeting to try to reduce carbon emissions. And that could... Change, like I said, change the dynamics of those markets dramatically, and some companies are definitely going to benefit more than others. Uh, so, we're going to look at that as well. But ultimately, I want to know what's on, on your mind 8899 chart 88992 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's check out on the market. Today was Fed Day, and the announcement was exactly what was expected, which was no change in interest rates, starting of the tapering this month, $15 billion uh, per month. Uh, the I guess the only major news was that they also said they're going to do it next month. They promised basically tapering this month and next month, and hinted that they'll continue at that pace, uh, but they'll reassess, really, um, probably meeting by meeting. So there's another meeting next month. Remember, it's every about six weeks. So a little before Christmas, you'll get another meeting from the Fed, uh, and then they'll probably project out what to do for January as well. So certainly kind of meeting by meeting, uh, whether that tapering is going to continue. So that's A. B, They, they there was a press conference, talked a bit about uh, inflation, didn't really give a whole lot of indication that they were going to be hawkish on inflation. It was kind of a dovish tapering but did hint that the net, the rate hike till they actually raise rates won't be till the back half of next year some are thinking December the markets are actually looking at September as the most likely time frame when interest rates will go up now, what did the market do in reaction? Well, it had a pretty strong reaction. Typically, the first move is the wrong move. Not today so far. Uh, the market closed. The uh, S&P closed up about 30 points, about two-thirds of 1%. The Russell 2000, that was the strongest index, up 42 points, uh, almost 2% on, on that front. And then you had the NASDAQ. That was up 161 points, a little over 1%. So, uh, You know, strong reaction. Gold was up on the reaction, although in the day it was down, but uh, it certainly reacted positively to kind of the dovish tapering. And we'll see how we we get some follow through uh, tomorrow. Remember, a lot of times there's a two or three day uh, period where the market's trying to figure out what this will mean for, uh, you know, earnings for the coming year, uh, the interest rate environment. And you're seeing that here, the the T N X, the TNX, the, uh, the ten year, that was up three basis points. So will that break out? I think that will be uh, interesting to see in the coming next week or so. Do we get a new high, or does it start to try to trend towards new highs uh, by the end of the year? Now we're heading into a quick break. John from West Virginia, hang on. You will be next here on Invest Talk at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
2: Let's go talk to John in West Virginia looking at Pinnacle West. Capital. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
1: I own some of it and um I'm down probably about twelve percent on
0: it and um uh, I'm looking to double down on it maybe, but um maybe, maybe it's one of those things where you say, well, what's wrong with this thing? What am I what am I not not seeing here? Um I just in a dividend portfolio and it looks like it has a pretty good yield and pretty good earnings and I'm just trying to figure out what, what I might be missing.
2: Interesting. Okay. Well, this is Pinnacle West. It is a utility, a vertically integrated electric utility that serves 1.3 million customers in central Arizona, mainly Phoenix. It owns or leases more than 6 gigawatts of power capacity, including a 29% ownership stake in in the largest nuclear plant in the U.S., Palo Verde. And about half of the electricity that apps uh, supplies to customers come from clean energy sources, including nuclear. So that's interesting. What is happening? I, I don't know what the catalyst is. I haven't looked at this name in a while. I will say we have owned this for clients years ago, but you know it's been been a while. So I haven't taken kind of a fresh look at this. What I will say is the right now is not a good time to be in utilities. Interest rates are, are yep. rising, the co- input costs to uh, produce electricity are going up. And I think that may be the issue that maybe they can't pass along uh, enough of their costs to their customers. That certainly uh, could be a factor here. Um, you know, I definitely wouldn't be doubling down on it uh, until I really understand what's driving this. Looks like yeah, there's there's a there's a recent report they lost a commission votes ah uh, okay oh this is what it is they've the remember utilities are regulated and they regulate the good thing about utilities is that the dividends pretty safe um their profitability is always consistent because it's legislated in that they're allowed to earn a certain return on equity. And the Arizona Public Service will cut their allowed return on equity from from ten percent to eight point seven percent. That's the issue here. Is, gotcha. is very much. You're, very you much. have regulatory Over. issues, <laughs> and and where this re rates, it could definitely go lower. Um, so I would just move on. Um, you know, the, clearly the regulators are not on their side and this is the shareholders are taking the brunt of it and you're shareholders so that's what you're seeing here now my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline small caps kick off a november rally and small caps are up strongly this month and up about 19% to call it about 22% i'd say after uh, today and this is important for the strength of the market Every rolling three-month period since 1979, when the Russell is up, the S&P 500 has also been up 92% of the time. So there's a very strong correlation. We know that. We know that. But remember, Russell 2000, you're talking about 2000 stocks. And it's much more broad-based than the S&P, the NASDAQ. Uh, it, It typically is more cyclical tends to outperform when the economy is healthy and growing. And, in fact, it's up about 9% this quarter alone. And this is all resting on the idea that maybe small caps do have pricing power. Maybe that the fact that they can't find enough workers means that the productivity gains are going to be very strong. Remember, this is a more domestically focused index. S&P, the large cap indexes, those typically are companies that have revenues all over the world. In fact, I think it's 30% of S&P revenues come overseas. For small caps, it's 90% plus. And so the fact that this is starting to catch up brings even more bullishness to the back half of of this quarter. We're we're nearly halfway done with this quarter. Isn't that crazy? Not a whole lot uh, left in the year, Uh, rapidly approaching uh, Thanksgiving. And with all the problems with inflation, the wage gains, which have been good, but they have not kept up with inflation. And that's actually good for corporations. Maybe bad for individuals who are not seeing the amount of wage increases to compensate for the cost they're seeing on a day-to-day basis. But what that means is if prices in the economy are going up, that means companies' revenues are going up that amount as well. They're raising their prices. And they're not having – they can't find enough workers. And the workers they're paying now, they're just working them harder. And not paying paying them more, but not so much more that it's eating in the profits. And I think that's part of the bullish scenario you're seeing in the markets right now. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. With all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that you must keep your eye on your goals, your goal of financial freedom. And it's going to look different than your neighbors, your cousins, your brothers. Your income is going to be different when you want to retire, what you want to do in retirement, all going to be different. Your risk tolerance is likely to be different. So that means your strategy has to be different as well. And that's what we're to help you with, developing that strategy and making sound decisions. So we should talk about whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at
0: 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99 chart.
2: Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at Verizon.
1: Yes. Hi, um, Justin. Yes, uh, I own shares um, and I'm looking at the price and Close to what it was in March of 2020, I'm thinking maybe this is a good time to pick up more shares for the dividend, of course.
2: Okay, well, what
1: you think. well
2: here's the question, is how much of it do you own as a percentage of your overall portfolio? Uh, less than 1%. Okay. Of the overall portfolio. Okay. So so I will say it is relatively tractably valued right now. Um, The issue is twofold. Uh, There is uh, rising interest rates, and this is kind of a bond proxy because it's not a fast-growing company. Uh, It's in a mature competitive environment. Uh, And so you're going to get some headwinds if interest rates continue to go up. And that's part of the reason why this has gone down. Another is rising inflation. Uh, I think they have poor purchasing power because it's a very competitive market. You have T-Mobile about Sprint. that's coming in and kind of undercutting them. Uh, And they're kind of a pure play (laughs) telecom provider. And their cost of of labor is a big input to what they do. And so, and the the cost of rolling out 5G uh, as well, that's very expensive. So, Mm -hmm. and you know chips are getting more expensive all of that and that's the issue here and i think that's the headwind that they're they're seeing so i just don't think it's the best opportunity in the market frankly Uh, i think you can find better Uh but if you really like verizon you, you just want kind of that steady hand longer term this is a pretty good price to get in um i just don't think it's the best opportunity in the market right now thanks for the call Let's go to Noel in Napa, and let's talk about insider trading.
1: Yeah, good afternoon, Justin. Yeah, I, uh, I've talked to you before about uh, B&G Foods,
0: and uh, uh, it's broken out of its trading range this week, uh, and uh, uh, it's been trading in a narrow place for quite a while, And but this week it's uh, moving up, and, and of course, uh, it's... Uh, going to announce its earnings, I think, uh, on Thursday. So, I don't know. To me, it looks like insider trading, but that's illegal. So, would it be just
1: we've got some smart investors or uh, people that want to get a hold of the uh, good dividend? Uh, what do you, you think is going on?
2: No, what's happening here is what's happening all over the market. You saw that with uh, Avis, C-A-R, going up uh, It was 100% yesterday um a- 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 AMC i think had uh, a bit of a short squeeze um you know there's just there's just all the kind of highly shorted companies GME uh GameStop uh, recently had another uh move up from the 160s all the way to the 250 range uh, earlier today um and that's BNG is just another one it's, it's highly shorted um, and it's getting that short squeeze uh and so that's really what you're seeing here it's not insider trading uh this happened Back in January happened again in June, um, and ultimately it's going to probably come back down uh, into the thirty range. So I would be using using this honestly as an opportunity to unload, uh, reduce my position or eliminate it. Uh, you know, into the the mid thirties. I think thirty five to thirty seven is a range that you'd probably want to be selling into uh, this move. So it's not insider trading. It's just simply a good old good old fashioned short squeeze. Thanks for the call. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So, here's here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. M. Jonesy says CPB Campbell Soup, this stock recently hit a 52 week high due to, due, to er- due to eroding business. Let's see, that's CPB. Okay, 52 week low, I think. Yeah, there we go. With inflation on the rise and food price increases, do you think CPB might be an increase in sales growth? Um, I, I think, first off, one of the issues is bad comps. Everyone was buying canned goods during the pandemic, including Campbell Soup. And so their business did very, very well post-pandemic. And as, like, as with most things that uh, are, are more COVID-driven uh, and not long-term secularly driven – this came back down to earth. Last two quarters, revenue growth down 11%. Earnings down 13% last quarter, 31% the quarter before. So earnings last year were almost $3. This year, supposed to be $2.76 and back up to 2 dollars next year. Um, overall, I'm just not a huge fan of this name. Uh, it's not expensive. It's relatively cheap, and it is getting, starting to get a bit. So, I could easily see this rally right now around 41.50 uh, or so, uh, rally back up to 45. Absolutely. But just not a name I get super excited about. They have a decent amount of debt. Uh, there's a shift towards more eating fresh foods as opposed to canned foods. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Not anything that I would get uh, interested in purchasing. Now, the next and best talk, the story behind this headline. The Fed holds rates near zero, yet some borrowing costs are already on the rise. Even though the Federal Reserve didn't raise its benchmark rate today, the days of low rates are maybe numbered, and consumers can expect to pay a bit more. I'll walk through the twists and turns of that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
1: Got a question for Steve or Justin? Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I think there's likely a pullback here. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution.
0: With inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free Invest Talk Wealth webinar. And it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. But you've got to register. And now Steve and Justin are ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Harry in Modesto
2: looking at Energizer Holdings. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
1: Looking to buy it.
2: Okay. What um, uh, intrigues you about the name?
1: <laughs> uh, the, the dividend sounds good. I looked at the chart, like a five-year chart. It seems to have support around here. Uh, I know they're doing some buybacks. But there's the PE's kind of high, and their payout ratio is kind of high, and so is the business solid? Am I missing something? Or what can you give me?
2: Well, first off, they do have a good amount of debt—about 3.5 billion in long-term debt on a market cap of 2.6 billion. If you look at their free cash flow, it, it is consistently positive, but there's not been much growth. In fact. It's it's shrank over the the years, uh, and I think that's the issue here is just lack of growth uh, on on anything uh, measuring the the business besides revenue. Uh, their margins have uh, looks like they've they've come down to you know pennies uh, or you know less than one percent, and their return on equity is now only 3%, and they have high leverage. Um, so that's your issue here and why the payout ratio is very, very high. Uh, it, it, the payout ratio is high, and that's not as much of a worry because you know earnings kind of – they're going to be non-cash items. I like to look at cash dividend payout ratio, meaning what is their cash flow uh, mm-hmm. compared to their dividend payout. And it's about 90%, meaning they only – They pay out about 90% of their cash flow in earnings or in dividends, excuse me. And that's too high. So that's another reason why they haven't increased their dividend. Their dividend has been the same since 2019. Now, how much is this because of COVID? How much is this because of just battery producers around the world ramping up and, and better competition? I'm not sure. But it doesn't intrigue me. Uh, really, at these valuations. I mean, you're talking about still a $2.6 billion market cap. They're they're not really buying back shares anymore. In fact, their share count has increased. Uh, yeah, it's decreased a tiny bit recently, but uh, it's gone up over the past few years. And the chart is into some support, but the overall trend, longer term, is down making a series of lower highs and lower lows. So to me, this looks like more like a value trap than anything I would pass on Energizer holdings. Thanks for the call. Eight eight nine nine 99 chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. 4278 You have about 20 minutes left to get your call in now. Now I want to touch on some very interesting developments in government policy uh, around climate change. And, this doesn't. This has less to do with energy and more to do with things that produce a lot of carbon emissions. People often focus on the fossil fuel industry as a the industry that produces the most CO two uh, in the world, and the fact is that's not true. Steel and the production of of, of metals uh, of many kinds produce Far more, I don't say far more, but more CO2 than the oil and gas industry, and the reason is, is because it takes a lot of energy to produce these type of materials, and policymakers are now tra- looking at targeting steel industry, chemicals, cement, and This could give a competitive advantage back to manufacturers in countries where emissions are relatively low, meaning they they have production facilities that produce less carbon than in some of the developed markets. And this is kind of targeted at China, the largest producer of carbon in the world, carbon emissions. And this is something a lot of people don't understand, is that Not only have we exported a lot of our manufacturing to China and other countries, but we've also exported the emissions as well. And this is called a carbon tariff, also called a border adjustment, and it's intended to plug the hole in domestic policies that discourage carbon emissions. Because it's basically saying is, you know, the the whole uh, argument is, Well, you're putting these restrictions on domestic manufacturers that's upping their costs. And so naturally, they're not going to be able to compete with cheaper steel and other goods or other raw materials that are produced overseas with more primitive methods that produce more carbon emissions. And so they're trying to plug that hole and encourage buyers to import uh, 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 less expensive steel. Sorry, these, these, the, the current rules encourage buyers to import less expensive steel, potentially producing these higher emissions and produce that, uh, the, the production to countries with less regulation. Now, these tariffs would hit the economies of developing countries that are deeply reliant on exports like China. And some countries say the proposals are just protectionism in disguise, and you can certainly argue that. Now, an estimated one quarter of global greenhouse gases are produced by goods that cross borders. So, that's basically saying those countries that have imported those goods, technically they've exported their carbon emissions. So, many emissions that developed countries have claimed they've eliminated. They just simply outsourced it. Now, the plan that they unveiled on Saturday at the, uh, what was it, the COPE 36? I forgot the name of it exactly. But the plan uh, comes as part of an effort to curb global overcapacity of steel and aluminum. I think this is part of the reason why you see Vale and a lot of these uh, iron ore producers in, in Australia really taking it on the chin. Because if this goes into effect, then that's going to bring a lot more manufacturing of steel back home domestically. And this is how I think it's going to be sold to Republicans here who typically don't like these policies, but they like domestic manufacturing. And that could, if done right, if executed well, Bring some manufacturing home. Now, they're still still ironing ironing out the details, and it's going to take a couple of years, I think. But it's the start of the next initiative to reduce the greenhouse emissions of areas that you don't realize produce so much carbon. And so they're trying to implement the program by 2025 as part of a broader deal to cut emissions by 55% by 2030 in Europe. Now, Europe currently has a cap and trade system domestically. And so it would be similar to that. Uh, Boston Consulting Group had a report, said Chinese and re- Ukrainian steel made, uh, made, made steel would be to hurt the most. Efficient mills in Canada and South Korea would be helped the most. So that was interesting as well. Uh, so, something to keep an eye on as this evolves, because it's certainly going to impact these other markets uh that produce steel besides china and ukraine and it could bring some advantages to certain uh commodity producers in other countries. Now we'd love to get live calls. Any your recorded questions as well. So let's dip into the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Ohio.
1: Hey Steve or Justin this is Bob from Ohio. Um I see the rising oil prices as an opportunity to get into a gas company. Um, So I've been looking at Exxon or Chevron, or ExxonMobil or Chevron, and I'm trying to see which one's better. I know Chevron has a little bit better of a dividend history than Exxon, but I want to see what you guys think. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
2: Uh, This is an easy answer. Exxon. For years, Chevron had actually performed better. Uh, And one of the reasons it performed better was because natural gas prices were very low. And years ago, Exxon bought a company called XTO Energy, which was heavily focused on uh, natural gas production and fracking. And that hurt Exxon for many years. Well, now it's actually helping them. And you're starting to see Exxon outperform because of that, because of natural gas prices And, and really since... Well, late last year, when natural gas prices started taking off, Exxon has outperformed Chevron. And I think that will continue. Because remember, OPEC can go and in- increase production of oil and ship it around the world very easily. Not as much the case with natural gas. So absolutely, I'm going with Exxon over Chevron. Let's go talk to Andre in Riverside. let to talk about gold and silver.
1: Uh, yeah. Hi, Justin. Um, so, I'm actually calling about Silver Bow Resources, ticker S-B-O-W. Okay.
2: S-V-O-W. S-B. Oh, S-B-O-W. Okay. Uh, hmm Yeah. So, my question is actually super simple. I've I've had this uh, for, for a little while now, and I know that they reported earnings, uh, I think even just earlier today. And as I was looking at how the earnings went, I, I'm seeing kind of differing reports.
1: Some are saying that they beat estimates, and some are saying they reported loss on the uh, earnings per share. And so, feeling a little bit torn about what exactly happened, and was wondering if you could just take a quick, quick look and actually see if you see something more definitive. Okay.
2: Well, one, one thing you have to understand when you're looking at yeah, they did report a net loss of 36 million, but that included a net unrealized loss on the value of the company's derivative contracts of 61 million. Uh, now, what does that mean exactly? I have to dig into the details of it. Now, adjusted EBITDA was 58 million. So, stripping out the the that that kind of one-time cost, that's typically what adjusted EBITDA is. Is you know, what are the what what are the the non-cash items? What are the one-time items that may skew the current earnings picture? Uh, if you get rid of that, what does the business do? And so adjusted EBITDA was 58 million. Uh, so that's really what you're looking at here. The market looks like didn't react. Uh, let me take a look at after hours. Did it uh, react much? Yeah, I don't see much movement after hours. So I think you're you're fine here. I wouldn't be too worried uh, about it. Uh, revenue growth was still up 100, uh, you know, 181%. It looks like was that last quarter? Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're fine. Um, let me look at the uh, – okay, exploration and production of oil and natural gas primarily. Okay, so that's what it is. So it's, a, it's not a silver producer. It's an oil and gas company. I think you're fine here. Uh, yeah, oftentimes there can be one-off non-cash items that create a loss, um, but it's really about what is the trend of the business, not these kind of one-off uh, issues. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Next up, we will play another caller question from the Invest Talk Voice Bank, so
0: hang on. The inflation we are now experiencing in 2021 is disturbing and eerily reminiscent of what we went through in the 1970s. So with inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Investing in an Inflationary World. This important online event is hosted by Invest Talk's Justin Klein and Steve Peasley, and it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. At this Invest Talk Wealth Webinar, you'll learn about the historical precedents for inflationary periods. How various asset classes perform in rising price environments, and the best opportunities for investment when interest rates rise. The InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, is free, but you've got to register. Go to InvestTalk.com, scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button, and click to register.
1: Hi, gentlemen. I had a quick question for you regarding Global Shipping Lease Incorporated, GSL. I'd like it quite a bit. I'd
0: like to purchase this. I'd like to know uh, what you think of it and what you might think might be a good buy-in point. It looks like it just uh, moved above the uh, 20-day and uh, 50-day as well. So it looks like it's in pretty good position right now. If you guys could please
1: just let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye.
2: All right, this is Global Ship Lease, Inc. operates uh, in the container shipping industry. So clearly their business is a booming now that uh, shipping rates are trending higher and continue to continue. Now, like I said, they've rolled over a bit uh, recently, and that could be a, a bit of a warning sign. And this did have a pretty decent pullback at the beginning of October to the 20-day moving average, sorry, 50-day moving average, and has been marching above it, uh, trying to break the new highs, but not there yet. Now, the MACD is showing so a bit of divergence, and that worries me a bit, and uh, the fact that chipping rates have started to to weaken here a bit still high but 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 weaken um, so i'm and then i look longer term this business has not been a great one in fact their shares outstanding has exploded from 7 million shares in 2018 to 26 million shares trailing 12 months they the return equity longer term has been the negative for many years since 2015 and 18 uh, other than that it's been in the mid to high single digits which is not great and I struggled to have great profitability long term honestly credit of industry now this could be a momentum play but i'm starting to see that momentum maybe waning so uh that's what you're looking at is still an uptrend you can't argue with that still strength there but you're a little late, I think, to the game. And so I would be a little hesitant on firing up here with that MACD convergence, with the history of the business, and you're seeing leasing rates starting to roll over a bit. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888.99
1: chart.
0: The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk Riskalyze quiz. Hey, it's Steve and Justin. This is Adam from Texas. I had a question about ticker symbol PS g papa fox golf if you could tell me what you all consider the fair value and or what a good pickup price would be for this and if it would be a good purchase i'd really appreciate it thanks guys
2: all right this is principal financial group they provide retirement savings investment and insurance products with approximately 806 billion dollars of assets under management And let's see. Our value is right about where it is today Uh, $69 and change. I think it's fairly valued, to be honest with you. Now, it's a good business, it's a good company, and consistent cash flows, consistent return on equity in the the high teens to low 20% range. Uh, So I like that. They uh, have been buying back shares over the past five years or so, not dramatically, but about 10% of their entire uh, shares outstanding have been retired, which is good. And it's a good, consistent business, and they will benefit from higher interest rates, higher equity prices, etc. Solid dividend that looks like they're, they've are they been increasing. Let's take a look here. Yeah, they've been increasing pretty much every single year, uh, modest uh, payout ratio. So, I'm going to give Principal Financial Group a thumbs up. Now let's squeeze in another iTunes review question. Matt, aka Burley Awake, says, I like the mix of general advice and specific discussion. I have heard you talk about nuclear energy being key to a renewable future. I've been looking at ticker GVPGVP. GVP, that is GSE Systems. They are a small company with exposure to nuclear from a training and solutions perspective. I'm thinking about putting some in my Roth for long term. Any insights would be great. All right. GSE Systems provides simulation software uh, to electric utility and chemical industry. I've never heard of this name. Let me take a look here. GVP. Very small company. $30 million market cap. Super small. Revenues are declining. Earnings are negative. Yeah, I wouldn't touch this. Now, they did receive a contract from a U.S. nuclear uh, plant operator to deliver web-based thermal system monitoring. Interesting. Okay. Uh, recently, that was in September. Yeah, technically, sorry, I'm just trying to pull up different charts and things. It's just a small name. It's hard to find good information. Technically, it's poor. Yeah, I'm passing on it that about does it for today's show. Uh, Interesting day in the markets with the, uh, you know, a bullish close, really. Uh, You can't really say anything about uh, else besides that. You, you had a a dovish tapering um, and the market liked it. And you have to listen to the markets at the end of the day. It's not your opinion. Price matters. uh, And the signals the market's giving you matter. Uh, The fact that, the small caps are leading um, a lot of the cyclical stocks are leading. you have industrials breaking to uh, new highs, you have uh, consumer discretionary breaking uh, to new highs. Uh, it's just really a bullish picture across the board. So that does it for today's show. This has been a episode of Invest Talk. And Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, now shy of 36 million. So get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review. Your positive ratings raise our profile and help spread the word. And if you leave a brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. So head over to iTunes and leave that review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
1: Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24 hour listener line at eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart